It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's How Do We Fix It with Richard and Jim. Being sensible about risk. Karen Firestone. I think that sensible risk-taking is something that we should all think more about. You know, you get one chance. If you show up at a blackjack table and you don't know how to play, I guarantee you're going to be out of money in five minutes. If you admit you've made a mistake, first of all, it shows that you've acquired some knowledge. It gives you the opportunity to face the risk again with your colleagues, with your friends, with your family in a way that is much more honest. Our show is about fixes. Yeah, how to make the world a better place. How How do do we we fix it? it? How do we fix it? So, Jim, have you ever done anything really risky or stupid that you now regret? I don't know about stupid, but I did start a podcast with you. (laughs) That was definitely risky, certainly of your time. But actually, you know, I used to be a rock climber. I'm a mountain biker. I'm really into all those kinds of sports. So, yeah, I think a lot about risk. And I've, I've had about four broken bones from those activities and still don't regret Well, this is another difference I have with you, because when I was a kid, my mom and dad had to drag me away from my baseball cards, my stamp collection, my my tape recorder, because even at the age of nine, I wanted to do a radio show. But uh, I have taken some pretty stupid investment decisions over the years. So, uh, yes, there have been some risks I've taken that I regret. So today's show is all about risk and how to make smarter decisions. Our guest is Karen Firestone, author of the new book, Even the Odds, Sensible Risk-Taking in Business, Investing, and life. She is CEO and co-founder of Aureus Asset Management and a contributor to the Harvard Business Review blog. And as Charlie Rose would say, I'm so happy to welcome you to our table. Well, thank you very much for having me. Now, you say in your book, and you've said it to me, so many of us are too gullible. Why? It's much more fun to be enthusiastic and positive about the outcome of something that involves some risk than to be pessimistic and skeptical. We enjoy the the vision of what riches, what great relationships we're going to develop, what the house is going to look like that we're going to buy, the job. It's just much more fun. And so that, I think, is the preferred mode of mental activity, being positive and gullible. You hear so many people in the business world saying, embrace risk. Don't be afraid to take chances. But 
you always hear this from the people who won. <laughs> you know, you yeah. never hear this from people whose whose company crashed and burned and they lost their house. I think that sensible risk taking is something that we should all think more about. The the past few years I've thought more and more about risk applied to other aspects of life beyond investing. I'm an investor by profession, but I think about risk taking all the time. You have four tenets of sensible risk taking. Mm -hmm. What are they in a nutshell? They're right sizing, right timing, relying on knowledge and experience, and remaining skeptical about promises and projections. So right sizing, of course, how big of a risk? If it's a house that you're going to buy, you have to be careful not to buy a house that's too big, that costs too much money, that's more space than your family needs, or certainly a bigger mortgage than you can handle. If it's right timing, you don't want to open an ice cream shop in November when you're not <laughs> going to get any business until right. May. You certainly need to know about the risk you're taking. If you don't, I mean, it, the good the example that people understand is when you go skydiving, if you're wearing one of those bat suits, you better know a lot about it <laughs> before you make that jump, right. right? And in terms of being skeptical of promises and projections, if we're not, you're just going to lose everything. You know, you get one chance. If you show up at a blackjack table and you don't know how to play, I guarantee you're going to be out of money in five minutes. Now, you started your company. You left what sounds like a fantastic job, mm -hmm. um, yeah. probably very lucrative. Yeah. And then you went on on your own. You were in your late 40s and you yeah. started your own company. Mm -hmm. So um, was that the right size risk? Was that the right time risk for you? And that's something that I thought about a lot. I, I had a partner. So one thing I did to mitigate that risk of being on my own was to have a partner who, who had different skills and different contacts and potentially different clients to bring to the party and, than and can I you just did. Give, give the, the listeners a little sense of what your company is. What sure. kind of accounts do you manage? So Aureus uh, Asset Management manages about $1.5 billion in assets. They're high net worth individuals and families or foundations and endowments. And we manage the money in stocks, bonds, alternative investments, some private equity, venture capital uh, across the board. You rely a lot on trust with, with your clients. And there's this great example in your book on the importance of being skeptical. And, and that was the director of customer service at your company who received a request for funds from a trusted client. The money was then wired to this person. Mm -hmm. What happened? Oh, my God, what a disaster. So the client, I call her Christina in the book, she emailed our head of client service and asked for a substantial amount of money. This is a six-figure amount of money because she was in the Far East and she had found some antiques to buy. We sent the money and then about 30 seconds later, we got another request for even more money, at which point uh -oh. our yeah, uh -oh. Uh -oh, our director of client service came running down to my office saying, you know, Karen, I think that I've made a horrible mistake. Look at this email. And I read it carefully and it was clear to me that it wasn't our client who had sent the email. So it was email. a phishing email. It was written by a person who did not speak English as their primary language, and it was a hacker who had mm -hmm. got into our client's Gmail account. Yeah, I think many of us have had similar encounters, probably not involving six figures, but oh. still, you know, that's part of being skeptical. Well, we should have been more skeptical, but at the time, hacking into Gmail accounts was not so common. What our employee did was look at the, you know, dear Ellen, 
she knows my name, and then at the end, it's sincerely Christina, her name again, with an amount of money, with a place that she was going to, which seemed reasonable. She just didn't carefully go through the lines. And so you, what you have to do in cases where you need skepticism is say, okay, here's a procedure I'm going to put into place all the time, which is, so in our case, anything over $5,000 that's unusual, you have to say to the person, call us. We need to hear mm-hmm. your voice. Anybody who lived through the 1990s remembers the dot-com euphoria. Right. I mean, you could get into a taxi and somebody would give you a recommendation <laughs> of what stock to buy. In retrospect, that just seems ridiculous. And then there was also the housing boom around 2005. Both are great examples of euphoria where people threw risk out the window. Mm-hmm. Do you think there are any bubbles today? I would give you a, a couple. I think there's probably a bubble in the valuation of private companies, such as Uber. I'm not saying that Uber is the example, but you read about cases daily where another group has put in billions of dollars, and now this company is worth $20 billion or $50 billion. I mean, I, I think they're, it, they're extreme when you think about what that valuation would be relative to huge multinational corporations, real estate in certain places. I'm sure there's there's a bubble and, you know, the top floor of that, you know, whatever you call that needle building in, mm-hmm. in New York. One thing that strikes me as an occupational hazard of people who are very successful in a certain line of work is they start believing that they're good at everything. I won't mention a particular presidential candidate, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but this seems to be something that's going on in that case as well. You you do very well in a few things, and then you're surrounded by people who tell you how great you are, and then you assume that everything else must be just as easy as the things that you do well. Oh, 100%. And I see that rampant in my business, in the investment business, when and you hear interviews on television, they sound so self-assured, and <laughs> yeah. you get the impression that because they sound self-assured, they must know everything they're talking about, whether or not they know it. Yeah, yeah wouldn't the, it be great if they were called on it? Yeah, yeah. More often the next day. I know the, the one thing you never hear on TV is, gee, I don't know. <laughs> or, or I got the weather forecast wrong yesterday. I'm sorry about that. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about risky career moves. Mm-hmm. Um, They could bring great rewards. Is there a right and a wrong time? Yes, definitely. Uh, I think Jim asked me uh, before, or perhaps it was you, Richard, about, you know, when I left Fidelity, great, great company. I had a great job, ran a big fund, wonderful career future. I, I knew all that. But I felt it was time to do something new and entrepreneurial. Why was it the right time? I had money saved so that if it didn't work, it was going to be fine. I mean, I also had a husband who worked, but even if I didn't, it was going to be fine. I had the experience. I knew a lot about the stock market. I had been I had been doing it, managing a fund for years and years. So you have to know, you have to have a knowledge base about what you're going to do as an entrepreneur. You can't afford to lose money that's going to change your lifestyle also. And many people don't understand that. If you're going to leave a job and go to another one, you better be sure that if a year and a half or two years from now it doesn't work, you don't have to uh, sell your house back to the bank because you can't pay your mortgage and move your family to some place where you're in a shack or a trailer because you've lost your house. So you need savings. And then also you have to be concerned about debt. For instance, if you own, say, a, a condo right. or have a significant mortgage, that could be a problem if you're not 
going to get Getting a, a steady, steady income. Yeah. And people do that all the time. Now, I saw in your book, you met Ann Landers on an airplane flight one time. I did. What was that like? I did. It was the best. Um, I had a set of twins. I found out when I was five and a half months pregnant that I was having another set of twins. Wow. I thought I was having one baby again. And I really freaked out. I thought my career is going to be over. It's going to be unmanageable. What's the rest of my life look like? It's a disaster. I mean, I love kids. I do. But I just didn't think I could manage all of that. I got on a plane and a woman walked toward me. I recognized her, but I didn't remember who she was. She sat two seats from me. And then she pulled out a huge a folder that was stuffed with envelopes. And then I realized it was Ann Landers. I asked her if she would talk to me. And she said, of course, dear. And what advice did she give you? Well, the advice was that there was a tremendous risk that I would be unhappy if I couldn't continue with my career. And if I was unhappy, then my family would be unhappy. So the risk was creating the right environment where we would all be comfortable. Me and my career, my husband and my children with the kind of environment that we created for them. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Now, on the topic of women in the workplace, women have a tendency not to negotiate for themselves in terms of salary and other things on a job as aggressively as men do. At the same time, for women or men, there can be a risk sometimes of pushing too hard in a salary negotiation. Yeah. What is that risk? Well, if you push too hard, that's bad will. And you only have so many trump cards to play. You can do that a certain number of times in a career. And you have to pick the right times. So I'm all in favor of women making sure that they get the same types of compensation as men. There's absolutely, you know, why, why wouldn't they? But I don't think it's right for everybody, any individual who thinks that their worth is far enhanced of what the company might offer and sort of push it to a point that they're almost at the edge of losing a job over it. Mm -hmm. But is there a difference between what women can ask for and what men can ask for or in, in what ways? I mean, is I guess I, what I'm really saying is, is, is there sexism behind all this? There is, there is sexism, and there has been. And as a matter of fact, I, I think a recent study showed that, that the greatest amount of sexism is at the highest levels in, in corporate organizations. It's not at lower levels. It's at higher levels. In, in my opinion, what has happened with women is that they 
both are afraid that if they're going to have a child or if they have children and they push too hard, they're going to lose their place meaning they won't be considered for a promotion because they think the company's making allowances for me or I've asked already for part-time for the last year. I better not ask for any more. And what women need and companies need to do is understand that there is value in them being at their employer, at their institution or organization, that companies need to embrace the fact that diversity in the workplace is positive and that women have an enormous amount to add to it. So in running your own company, what steps do you take to implement that philosophy? Well, we have open policy about vacation and parental leave. So I've never said that when a man or a woman has a child, you get this amount of time off. What I've said is you take the amount of time off that you need and let us know if we need to hire somebody part-time to cover for you over this number of weeks or months, or if you want to take more time off later, and I have them tell me what they think is best for them. Is that because legitimately... Different people have very different needs. Absolutely. They have different needs and they have different desires and interests. Bullying, still in the workplace, bullying is a real problem or an overbearing, unforgiving boss. What are some good strategies there? I know that there's one particularly interesting example in your book. Yeah. So it's amazing to me how much bullying goes on in workplaces. I, I hear about it all the time. So the one that I talk about in the book is a woman who was being bullied at a firm. She was working with a young colleague and he was merciless. When she was a few months pregnant, he would call her names and describe her to other people as fat pig. And he just... Wait, and this person still had a job? (laughs) Yeah, no, no, no. He was a very important person. He was young, but he was the protege of one of the top partners. And she couldn't stand it. She was becoming frozen in terms of her ability to provide value to the company. And her husband said to her, you have to go in and tell him that if he insults you one more time, you're going to have his legs broken. And she said, who's going to break his legs? I don't know anybody who's going to do that. And her husband said, well, that doesn't matter. You're going to say it and he's going to be scared that you might. And what happened? She walked in and said to him, Jerry, if you say another insult to me, to my face or about me, I'm going to have your legs broken. And then she walked out of his office and he never insulted her again. And he was nice to her. He was always respectful. And it ended all the problems. I told you, I'm working on a book about disasters and how they can be prevented. And one of the things that you talk about that's related to this is why admitting mistakes is so crucial to reducing your risk in a field. Oh, Oh, it's the best. First of all, it shows that you've acquired some knowledge. But it also allows you to move ahead. Um, it's definitely true in the investment business. The, the, we make mistakes all the time. That's the nature of investing. I think people have said if you're right 60% of the time, meaning you're really wrong 40% of the time, you're way then ahead. you're yeah. way, way ahead. So we have to become comfortable with making mistakes and being able to say to each other, this was really like a crappy decision to buy the stock and you know, we're done with it. 
So risk happens. It does. It sure does. Karen Firestone, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming in. So risk. Yes. That, yes. Was, that was really a good interview. And, and you know this is one of my favorite topics. So I, think I know. You're I, obsessed by it. Well, I think that <laughs> humans wouldn't be here without risk. No, and we face risk all the time in everyday life. And, and I think that so often it's viewed as a negative. And it's like, no. I mean, risk well, and reward, I, those are partners. I actually sort of disagree. I mean, I think that sometimes it's viewed – people overemphasize certain risks, like the risk of a plane crash or something. But they underestimate other risks – or they celebrate risks from the standpoint of the winners. And they don't remember that, you know, even a minor risk still could happen. And you need to figure out whether you can tolerate the worst case scenario. Let's talk about our own personal approaches to risk. I mean, I'm a moderate, which which I think is good because it means I'm balanced. But I'm also an optimist. And that can really lead me into trouble. Uh, as my wife, Judy, says, I, I believe the stories people tell about themselves. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> that, that's the problem. My experience is looking at a lot of this from the standpoint of the adventure sports that I've been into throughout my life. And for me, if I'm bombing down a train on my mountain bike right at the edge of going out of control but not crashing that's the most thrilling thing there's something very very satisfying about taking it to the edge or keeping it in control that really appeals to me it doesn't appeal to everybody no but it's me. a certain type and yeah. um and i think that if you can harness that, it, that that's you know i think that's true in other areas too but it, do you know people in your field who have gone just too far who for instance fallen over the handlebars sure. of a bike or they've fallen yeah, off me. a cliff <laughs> <laughs> like my broken ankle broken wrist i mean yeah um but certainly that can happen but there's also risk to staying home and just watching football on the couch you know and i i feel like i would take i'll take the broken bones uh over just uh, a sedentary life Karen has these four main ideas about risk, right sizing, right timing, using your knowledge and experience and being skeptical. Yeah. Being skeptical to me is the most important one. I just spent yesterday uh, studying this new report from the from the uh, New York State Inspector General about the big prison break up at the Clinton Correctional Facility uh, last year when those th these two hardened criminals got out through the tunnels. It was really almost exactly like the scenario in the Shawshank Redemption. A big part of the reason it happened was the prison had certain routines. Nobody ever broke out. Everything always went the same. They got very, very comfortable not really checking that prisoners were in their beds, not really following all the rules exactly. And there were little warning signs that uh, – that these guys, one of these guys was way too close to one of the women who worked in the in the sewing shop where he worked, that another guard was way too friendly with the prisoners and letting them bend the rules. And then while, the, while one of these guys was digging through the tunnels, leaving his cell through a hole every night, going into the tunnels and working for months, it was never found. There wasn't a single bed check for more than three months. You know, she talks about investment. I can see very much that scenario. You're used to 
information falling into a certain pattern, it's the person who's more skeptical who's going to be able to reduce that risk of something really unexpected. This makes me think back to one of our earlier shows, which if you haven't listened to it, it's worth checking out. And that's Laura Adams on insurance. Fascinating that that so many people, she, she told us, are underinsured in some parts of their lives and overinsured in and others. And after that show, I actually went back and reduced a whole lot of my insurance. I, we realized I was overinsured in life insurance and other so things. So we saved you money. So, <laughs> yeah. so where's my percentage? One more thing that Karen Fireson was talking about I thought was great. A woman running her own company uh, and talking about salary negotiations, she makes this really good point. Everybody's talking about how you should really press for your interest and lean in and, and push hard. And yes, you should do that. But she made a very good point. There's also a risk in pushing too hard and demonstrating a, a lack of good faith, a lack of, of, of a willingness to compromise within your own company. And I've had, as an employer, I've had situations, I had somebody come to me one time, very first job I ever had as an editor-in-chief came, he basically threatened to quit over a perceived slight uh, that he felt he'd experienced. And my answer was, Really sorry to hear that. The HR department's down the hall. You know, and there was no going back. I mean, he'd broken a certain faith with me by making a threat that was just one step too far. So be careful. Be careful. Use, use a little common sense. Okay, there's a risk that people will stop listening to us if we don't wrap up now. Okay. So the show is how to fix it. I'm Richard Davies. I'm Jim Meggs. And our producer's Miranda Schaefer and our audio engineer, Denise Barbarita. Here at the beautiful Mona Lisa Studios in Uptown Manhattan. How do we fix it? Producer by Davies Content. We make digital audio. We also consult for nonprofits and companies. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.